Hi, welcome to the Tax Chick Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Doucette, a self-proclaimed foodie, spin class, and Pilates enthusiast, and a tax lawyer. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. Tax is complex, but it does not always have to be so complicated and shrouded in mystery. Join me and my guests as we unpack some serious tax topics and attempt to demystify the world of tax. I'm really excited because today my guest is one of my BFFs, Tracy Duff. And Tracy is the owner and operator of Sky Planning Group here in Saskatoon and one of my business besties. So welcome, Tracy. Hi, everyone. So you can connect with Sky Planning Group through their website, also on Facebook, and I'll provide some additional details on this later in the show, and there will also be details provided in the show notes. So Tracy, I thought it might be kind of fun for people to hear a little bit about how we met, because I think it's a good story. It is a good story. Well, you had a good purse. I mean, I really think it all comes down to your purse. (laughs) It does come down to to the purse. And also, it comes down to uh, we attended an industry event, and I always go into an event thinking, you know what, it would be really fun to meet someone today. So I always look for people that are fun to meet, and it just so happened that Amanda was a person that actually came up to me and said, hey, can I sit down beside you? And by the way, I love your purse. (laughs) And we started with some purse stories. I think that's when we knew we had to be fast friends because we started swapping shopping stories and we realized, man, I think we were, you know, we were meant to be united earlier in life, but I'm glad we got united when we did. It has been a wonderful unit or united, what is the word? Unification? Ah, Is that the right word? Yes. It's a wonderful unification because I think that we have expanded on the purse shopping. I think we have. (laughs) We even did a little bit of that in Palm Springs earlier this year before the pandemic. It was good times. It was fantastic. <laughs> so Tracy and I met, I think, in in the way that I've discovered as an adult, I've met a lot of my business contacts. And it's when we think about the concept of networking or kind of building relationships, I think sometimes we think about it in too, in too rigid of a concept. And we think about, oh, we have to exchange business cards or we have to go to this wine and cheese or this networking event. And what I've started to find is that if I'm already going to an industry event and I am already interested in being there, if I can reach out to one person that I've never met before and say, hey, my name is Amanda, you, know, you have a great purse. <laughs> How are you? It's nice to meet you. That sometimes those have sparked the the best business relationships because you know you connect with them on, as a person, which is important. Well, connecting with a person, that is the start to forming a relationship, and that relationship then can turn into collaborative practices. And what do you do as a tax lawyer? What do I do? as a corporate life insurance specialist, how can we help each other? And what we found out is we can actually do more for our clients together than apart. 
Exactly. That's what we're going to talk about today, collaborative practice. So Tracy, I think before we get into that, I, it would be really great for, I think, our listeners to learn a little bit about you. And I was going to read a bio, but I have such a hard time talking, like reading bios of my friends because I, I, I can't do it in that same kind of professional way. I, I end up elaborating and going on and on and on, and it's just weird to read someone's bio. So I thought, would you tell me about yourself? Tell our I listeners. I would love to tell you about myself. <laughs> so I have been practicing in the life insurance business for 22 years, and my passion came about growing up on a farm and seeing how my parents grew their farm their plans of their farm, who was going to take over the farm, non-farm family members, and just really getting an understanding of how much help business owners and farm families need. So I went to university, I worked at a bank, and then when I was finished university, I was introduced to a group of people that sold life insurance. And I thought life insurance was going to be the worst profession ever, but because I wanted a career change, I decided that I would give this a try. And I think we have to have a future episode on life insurance. You and I were talking about that. Yes, we, we have can to, do that. We have to destigmatize life insurance. Well, I have seen people cross the street because they're worried I'm going to talk to them about life insurance. <laughs> I'm so passionate about it. And yet, at the same time, after being in business for 22 years, now that role has changed where people are calling me and they're saying, can you do for me what you did for my neighbor, my family friend, my other colleague, my business owner friend? And usually we end up doing something completely different for that person that calls me. But what it is, it's the relationship of how they feel like we facilitate life insurance. We facilitate it. We don't sell it. We put together plans that people get to see the options and choose that, oh, this is actually something that I really like. So it's taken that, um, it's taken away the fear of life insurance because people have realized that when they come to us, it's, it's a discussion of what the options are. Well, absolutely. It's not just that you're selling a plan. It's well, actually, here's the problem that you have, and you need a solution to that problem. Perhaps an insurance um, product might be a solution to the problem. And I think that helps when you can tie the product to a solution as opposed to just selling. Exactly. Every, every solution that we put forward, people can see it in an easy, understandable way that this works. And if you can't see it in an easy, understandable way, then it may not be the product for you. Absolutely. And so, I mean, Tracy, you're owner, operator, founder of Sky Planning Group here in Saskatoon. And uh, you're, a, I guess I can call you a boss babe. Are you yes. Of, you're yes. one of my boss babes. I think we even use that at some point as like an answer to one of our security codes for <laughs> sending e-transfers, <laughs> boss babes. And I think we put the S's as dollar signs, didn't we? Yes, Just cause, yes, you know, we did. That seemed cool. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to have you here because I think that one of the things I didn't know a lot about until I met you and started working with you is the role of an insurance advisor in planning. And so I think that really opened my eyes into what the options are. 
and sort of what value that you can bring to a file because you bring a lot of value to my files. So I'm really excited to have you and I, I really welcome you here. Well, thank you. I'm pleased to be here. This is going to be a really fun session. We're hanging out right now at the Saskatoon Club uh, in Saskatoon and uh, I'm a recent member of the club. Tracy's more of a long-term member of the club. We've sort of staked ourselves out in boardroom A and everyone's being very helpful and helping us create a little podcast studio in here. <laughs> and we're social distancing. We're recording this during, of course, the pandemic. So Tracy and I have an entire boardroom table between us. We're being very well behaved. We're following the rules. Uh, so I thought, Tracy, um, I mean, we haven't done a lot of episodes yet, but I wanted to have something be consistent across my episodes with all of my guests. So I did give you a little warning about this, that I was going to ask you two questions. And I, I'm excited because you haven't told me your answers yet, really. So I'm excited to hear what your answers are. So the first question is, what is the last podcast you listened to? I have two podcasts that I follow. One is Strategic Coach. I'm a member of Strategic Coach. And I actually enjoyed that for planning my back office and, and doing a lot of that. So... What's nice about Strategic Coach is they actually uh, lay everything out so that you can run an effective business and then I get to spend the time that I'm working on my clients. I didn't know they had a podcast. Yes, they do. We're going to have to get the details of that one for you. We can put it in the show notes for people. Sure. Yeah, Strategic Coach has a podcast. The other podcast that I just started listening to is called Digital Undertaking. And what that is about is all of us that are estate planning, retirement planning, tax planning, we have a digital life. And especially when we're planning our wills and our power of attorneys, um, I have discovered that you can have a Google account that um, you can mark if it's not active for three months, it automatically shuts down. So if you have a person that passes away or, or, or it becomes incapacitated or elderly, there's options in all of this digital social media that we use that we should actually be adding to some of our tax and estate planning, which includes when we do those things, we also end up doing wills and power of attorney. So that might be something for another episode for you someday. Yeah, I was just thinking because I know I've done a little bit of work on digital assets in the past and I guess it's not necessarily a straight tax topic. However, I think that there are a lot of digital assets that now have a monetary component to them. If we think about things like the online bank account, you know, the tangerine account or the Bitcoin or the gambling chips and the fact that when you die, arguably those are an asset that has value. There's a deemed disposition and there's going to be a tax to pay. There is. And, and another one that I found very odd is loyalty points. Oh, right. I never thought about that. What was strange about it, it was like, I would never put any value on loyalty points. But at the same time, I build up sometimes $5,000 of loyalty points so that I can fly first class somewhere instead of an economy. So this, the digital undertaking podcast that I've been listening to, I'm marking that as a park. And that is something that I'm going to be addressing now in the planning that I do with clients. 
I know we've never actually talked about this before. This is raw people. Like we've never had this conversation. And now I feel like we need to go on this tangent because this is very interesting because I've been using with my clients for about the last year, I've created a digital asset audit checklist and I think I should forward it to you. And it's, it's that kind of thing where we're starting to explore what are the assets the client has that would be considered digital assets. And what do they want done with those things? Because our law is a bit murky in Canada right now as to what they can and can't do. So we need to talk about that, I guess, off off of the podcast. But you and I need to have a chat about that. And I have to start listening to this podcast. Yes. And I will actually send that over to you so that you can add digital undertaking to podcasts. Thank you. This is I'm really glad I'm asking people this question because I'm getting some really great answers and there's no better way to find out what podcast to listen to than talking to people that you respect and that you like and find out what they're listening to. So thank you. Oh, great answer. Okay, second question. What is the emoji you use most often when texting? The emoji that I use most often is the one with the coffee cup and it says good morning and I'm peering out behind the coffee cup. Because you're always drinking a latte in the morning. Yes, I have a personal barista, which is my spouse, (laughs) who is a fabulous gentleman. His name is Dave. And when he's not um, working on a farm in spring and fall, I have a wonderful coffee latte every morning. When he is away, apparently I'm on first name basis with uh, Starbucks and I have Angelina and I have Tegan and... They all make sure that I get my coffee when my barista is temporarily closed. I have had the privilege of having a coffee or two made by barista Dave, and he's pretty good. Yes, I think we'll keep him. I think we will keep him. Yeah, we like Dave. Um, Thank you very much, Tracy. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to have our conversation today because I feel like you and I have a lot of conversations and have over the last couple of years about the importance of teamwork in working with clients and collaborative practice. And um, I, I mean, I think we've said more than once that you and I are clearly drinking the same Kool-Aid. We, we both believe this and it's, it's, actually, it's actually created a bit of a branch of our respective businesses that we're in the process of kind of working on right now, this concept of generational planning and bringing teams together to get the client to the best end goal possible, to create the solutions for the client. And I feel like we talk about this a lot, but we thought it might be helpful to do a bit of a podcast episode about it because it it's not something that you can really set out in bullet points on someone's website. It's really something that you have to talk about because we can explain why we're doing this, why we think it's so important, and why we think it gives the better service to the client. So we had sort of found some patterns or identified some issues um, in the world of estate planning and and business transition. And what we had found was that advisors were really working in silos. They were working independently. So everyone was kind of doing their own thing and they were so busy just trying to get caught up and just trying to keep the client compliant that nobody had time on their own to sit down and go, hmm, what is this client's goals for the future? Are we getting close to the place where we're trying to transition this business? How are we going to do that? Nobody had time to do it because they were so busy just trying to keep things going. And we had also found that there was becoming a bit of a competitive environment amongst different advisors. In that in particular, in our more rural areas, 
there was this fear that had been created that if if an advisor from the city comes into the rural area, they're just going to steal the client. And the, the advisor that's local, that's doing an amazing job for that client, is going to lose the client because the, the city advisor is going to come in and take them. And so you and I thought, hmm, we can, we can deal with this. We can fix this. There's got to be a way to start working together. And so we are strong believers of this team approach to success. And, and maybe it sounds very, I don't know, hokey pokey, but you and I are big believers in the team environment. And so what we're kind of hoping is that by the end of this podcast episode, we will bring everyone over to our side and <laughs> convince you all <laughs> of, of the team approach. So we were going to talk about, about three things today. We'll probably talk about lots more. You and I will have a good chat. But the, the three main things we wanted to cover was number one, why do you need a team of advisors? So if you're a business owner or an individual that's listening to this, you know, why do you need a team? And if you're an advisor and you're listening to this, the, the question is really, why would you want to be a part of a team? And then the next topic is, well, who should be on the team? And the final topic is, can this actually work? So what are the roadblocks to collaborative planning? And what are some of the, the obstacles that we need to overcome to have this be successful? So I'm excited. Should we dive right in, Tracy? We should dive right in because I think that we're on a timeline and part of that is we want to share as much as we can in this period of time. Absolutely. So topic one. Topic one is why do you need a team of advisors and or if you are an advisor, why should you want to be a part of a team? Well, my belief is, and we have experienced this firsthand in files, is that when people are working in silos, it's true, they cannot, um, or they get the file to the point, but then they have to do with the next year and the next year. So with a team of advisors, what we can do is make sure that everyone is compliant across all boards. So when I think of, of that, I want the will and the power of attorney to match exactly what the what your business structure looks like. So you, you wanna make sure that if the business structure is owned by mom and dad, but maybe the actual um, filing shows mom, dad, and two other minor shareholders. So in collaboration, we usually get to find out who is all collaborated and, or sorry, we get to always find out who is actually the owners. And people sometimes are surprised because they'll say, well, you know, we did that will 15 years ago. And at the time the accountant recommended this. And so we did that and that was wonderful. But what we, we discovered is when, as time goes on, we didn't dust that file off and look at it because we had planned so far out in the future, we are operating as if this company may be only owned by mom and dad. So when we go to do our retirement tax and estate planning, we find some things that we need to update. So collaboration between all of the advisors can help maintain a structure and actually be better for the client. Well, I know I was thinking about this the other night because I was talking with a friend who's doing some renos in their house right now. And um, we were talking about the concept of collaborative practice because this person is also a, an advisor. And 
we were kind of likening collaborative practice to building a house and the idea that you wouldn't just hire one person that was going to be the specialist electrician and the specialist plumber and the carpenter and the contractor and the interior designer. You actually have this team of people that come together to create this project. And I think I think that when you're you're looking at it from the perspective of estate planning, it's a very similar thing in that your advisors all have different levels of expertise and different areas of expertise. And it's almost like it's like a superpower to bring them all together and they all have your best interests at heart and they can all use their expertise collaboratively to get you the best result. And so I, I just think the team approach is the way to go because sometimes as an advisor, I don't even know what I don't know until I had met you and heard, you know, some of the work that you're doing with insurance planning. I had no idea some of the options that were available and the kind of value that an advisor can bring to my clients. I wouldn't have known that and I wouldn't have been able to provide that same value on my own. So I think a team is just so important. Well, it is important and the other part of it is the end result for the client is all advisor plans match. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is it's great when all advisors can get together in the same room. There's nothing less pleasing than than finding out one advisor is doing one thing, another advisor is doing another thing, another advisor is doing another thing, and you find out that something doesn't match, and you've already paid for this new structure, and you got to pay to get it unwound and wound up again so that everything is polished and always in a place to cover off any type of death. And, and, and that is a real, real factor. So when we all work together, another thing that happens is things can move along quicker because when we have permission to talk to each other, we can, we can talk about it, come up with options, and then the client gets like the options with a united team, an end result that matches, and the client goes home with that peace of mind. Absolutely, and I think as an advisor, once you get over the roadblock or the, the hiccup that might be there of, of sort of the fear of what does it mean to work with others and, and how do we make sure we're not duplicating our time and, and all of those things that we'll talk about later, I actually find from sort of a liability perspective, it's really great to be able to work as a team because you now have a group of people who are all working towards a common goal and you can help to support each other to make sure you don't miss something because some of these files are huge and if if i've just established a relationship with the client i may not know a particular fact or issue about their family that could actually be quite important to the options that we're putting forward and so if they don't tell me that and i don't ask the right question I might miss that and then the plan that I create for them is not going to be the best plan whereas if we can work together as a team we have a better idea of sort of collectively putting our knowledge together and making sure that we do canvas all of the issues for the client and it's it's way more fun to do this stuff collaboratively well and we also get to to meet other advisors we learn things from other advisors absolutely and I, I mean maybe this kind of is a good segue into a very quick um, summary of kind of our topic two, which is who is on our team. So we've been talking a lot about the need to have a team. 
But I think sometimes it's helpful to identify the people that could be a part of that team. So I mean, there's two people at the team here sitting at our table. So I am a lawyer, so I could be one part of the team. And you are an insurance advisor, an insurance specialist, so you can be a part of the team. Um, typically, we have an accountant who's part of the team. They're a very key part of the team. Uh, we might have a bookkeeper who's part of the team. Uh, we might have a financial advisor who's part of the team. The other person that sometimes pops up is, is if you do have a business where you might have a controller or a CFO or, or just an office manager who's really taken on that elevated role within your business, that person may be a very important part of the team. So the team can be as big or as small as it needs to be, depending on your needs. Well, and depending on the person's needs, when, when we find that we have worked on a, a team file before, we draw information from different peoples of, people of the team. It could be just reaching out to the bank to, to look at the structure of the bank loans, or it could be a detail of your investment portfolio we might not we are not intending on doing anything with the investment portfolio but we need to know where the tax is placed in that investment portfolio we need to know how the corporation is structured we need to know how the will is structured well i think that when i think about the importance of collaboration i think it's maybe important to talk for a minute about about just who the client is at this point because sometimes when i hear people talk about this they're talking about it in the context of the client who has a business that's worth 30 million, 40 million, 50 million. And there's all this planning that's focused on, on those types of clients. And those clients need planning. I, I'm not saying that they don't need planning, and I'm not saying that our collaborative planning doesn't work for those clients, and we do work for those clients. We, we have clients like that. But I think that there's also clients that do not have businesses worth that amount that still need collaborative planning. And so if, if people are listening to this podcast, it's really important to take a step back and it's it's not so much about the net worth of the client, it's more about the needs of the client. And the size of the team and the complexity of the plan will differ depending on the net worth, but every person deserves to know what's happening in their life and in their business. And I find that so many clients, they get overwhelmed by it. And if you ask them, you know, well, what do you have? You'll get the response of, well, I don't know. I've got these investments, but I don't really understand what I have. And just call my advisor. And I think I have insurance. I don't know. Do you think I have insurance? Maybe you should phone my insurance advisor. And well, why do I need insurance anyway? And, and, you know, I remember I have this corporation and every year I have to file an annual return, but I don't remember who owns the shares in it. And when I hear that, it makes me sad because I think that you deserve as a client to know generally the answers to all of those things. And so one of our goals coming out of collaborative planning is by the time we get you out the other end and we've created your plan, I always say it's like the Tim Hortons conversation that I'd like you to be able to sit down with your friend and say, I have this company and this company. And I generally, you know, I use this person, I use that person. Here's my goal. My goal is that within 10 years, I'm going to retire and here's how I'm going to do it. Or here's what's in this box. Or I have my real estate properties over here because I need to keep them separate from the stuff over here. I want my clients to be able to speak and understand what they have and feel in control of it, right? Don't, don't you find that? That sometimes people feel they're not in control of their own stuff. 
Well, when they're not in control of their own stuff, they usually cannot answer questions about their own stuff. So when we start visiting with them, they haven't dealt with tax and death. So we can make that a lot simpler for them by joining with their team and gathering all of the information and usually we find things that can be approved across all practitioners and something that the client thinks is so daunting what they have really done is pass this parcel off to the generational planner group we gather all the information we put it all together and what's beautiful about it is what the client thinks is daunting actually becomes very manageable and it also becomes really real because we get to work with the person to find out the things that are near and dear to their heart or things that they're worried about people are always worried about well how am i going to do this and please everyone in the family how am i going to do this so rather than worrying about those things because worrying is is not healthy but also it doesn't accomplish anything and you don't want to have anything happen so that there is something left behind that people cannot manage take the bull by the horns manage it and let the people that are experts join all of these plans together and then you get to actually decide how the finishing you know the polished product is going to look like. Well, and that makes me think actually that maybe one of the most important people in the team is actually the client, which we don't often talk about them in that way. But as a client, you're actually part of the team with us and you bring your own level of expertise. You bring expertise about you. Right. Well, of course. And so many people sidestep the idea of, well, who, as the most important person of the team, when I'm meeting with clients, the first thing that I want to instill for those clients that have built that business and put their heart into it, that they get to maintain their income first. And that's usually one question that, that they always come to is like, well, we know so-and-so is going to have you know, trouble buying this business because it's grown so much or there's been so much appreciation like how do we get our income and how do we transfer sell the business and pay the tax and those are things that we want to hear about from the client because then what happens is we start to address that and we can take it right from the very idea right down to some options that a person can choose and with all of the people working together on the team there's no surprises absolutely we really want to avoid surprises and I think that when we start kind of moving into maybe our third topic of like how does this collaboration work one of the things that that I just kind of want to put out there is I think you need to be thinking about your own estate planning and the planning for yourself and your wealth and your if you have a business the planning for your business you don't wait to think about that until you know you're in your 50s or your 60s if, if you're listening to this and you're in your 20s, that is the time to start establishing your team and thinking about it. Because when we put plans in place, plans can change. 
And sometimes we have a client who will say, okay, now I've fixed it. Now I never have to think about it again. No, you, you have to think about it because life changes, people change, your health will change, your relationships will change. And so the earlier you can start to establish your team, the better and start to establish relationships with advisors that you trust so that you can start making good decisions on the front end and you can feel like you have options on the front end. I mean, even things like insurance, well, we all know the younger you are and the healthier you are, the cheaper it is to be able to use insurance. And it's not that we can't use it at a later stage in life, but the options look different than they do at a younger stage in life. And so I think it's important to start taking that control and of yourself and your estate planning early on. If you're entering into a marriage, if you're leaving a marriage, if you're entering into a common law relationship, when you're buying your first home, when you're starting your first business venture, you're buying into a business, all of those things also justify the need to bring your team together just as much as on the back end when you're now selling your business or you're transferring it to the next generation or you're planning for death. Those are also important things, but it's, you need to think about the front end as well. Yes, you do. And and the other thing that's really great about the front end is, is a lot of people that have now been through this because they're in their 40s and they have elderly parents and elderly grandparents and the parents are executing an estate and they'll come to me and they'll say and and you know maybe the, some of the siblings are there and they'll say to me is there not anything that mom and dad could have done to <laughs> deal with this tax estate bill absolutely and so i think that, that that's why it's so important to start thinking about this early yes and not sort of at the end and and sort of when you're when you're not really when you're almost faced with a decision that has to be made as opposed to a decision that you can choose, it's it's a lot easier when you can come into this early on. And and so I think maybe it would be helpful, Tracy, because you and I have kind of talked around this so far, but to talk about how does this work? Like how did we how do we do this? And and we can actually say we have done this on a number of files. So we can kind of give ourselves the air high five and say, this does work. We have a bit of a system. It's worked successfully. The client is happy. The other advisors are happy. We've gotten a plan out in half the time that we would have normally if we all worked independently. And I think we have clients who feel empowered and they feel like they understand what's going on. We were just talking about a series of clients that you and I each sort of talked to and met with earlier this week and, and they were kind of raving about you know, we feel good. We feel like we know what's going on. We feel comfortable. And so that's the best solution. So I guess maybe we can talk about how we did it and how it, how it kind of worked. Yes. And that would be something that would be so helpful for the listeners today is how did we do this? And I think sort of that very first step to our collaborative process that you and I realized is we had to identify the team because I think a client will come in in various different ways. So it might be it might be one of the clients I already have, for example, that I've had some side conversations, let's say, with their accounting advisor, and we've realized that, man, there needs to be some planning, but no one's had the time to get everyone together and, and have that discussion, and the client is, is not sure what to do. Or maybe the client comes in through a financial advisor, or the client comes in through their bookkeeper. But step number one is just, who's on the team, and is anybody missing? Because sometimes people are missing a member of a team. So they've kind of 
gone along for many years and maybe they don't have a bookkeeper. Maybe they don't have an accountant. Maybe they don't have an insurance specialist and they actually need one and that's why things haven't moved forward. So I think step one is who's on the team and usually you and I reach out to the people on the team and say, hey, we'd like to form a team here for the sort of the benefit of this client. How do you feel about that? And we kind of feel them out first and we invite them to be part of an initial conversation. And of course, we don't do that without getting permission of the client. That's kind of our step one is we say to the client, if we're going to make this work, we need to bring everyone together. And it's not because we want to triple charge you or quadruple charge you for a meeting. It's that we need to put all of our brains in a room together and we need to come up with some options and present you with a united front and support you in making a decision in the process. So when we get the client's buy-in, then we pick up the phone and we call the advisors, hey? Yes, that's right. And a lot of clients are in a phase of their life where they're saying, I don't really know what to do. I know that I need to do some planning. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking to yourself, yes, I need to do some planning. I'm thinking about doing some planning. Reach out and have a discussion with us. Have that discussion so that we can start to decide if this is something that you want to go through in a process, form a bit of an agenda and start to create some personal relief for yourself that we could maybe put together some type of a structure that you could move forward with. The structure is always going to change because you need flexibility. But if you think of this structure as one question you should ask yourself, what is going to happen if I died yesterday? Mm -hmm. So if things are not in order from you passing away last night, then the next question is, who do I reach out to that will bring all of my members together that I'm already using? And those members are going to stay in place after we get some sort of a formal plan put to place that is comfortable for the client. Absolutely, and I think that you've identified a very good question, is that if you're an advisor and you're listening to this, and if the question that, that comes up for you is, I don't know if my client really knows what's going to happen when they die, or I've heard my client indicate that they're really scared about how they're gonna divide their business amongst their family, or how they're gonna pass it to the next generation, or if you're a client that's sitting here listening to this and saying, I don't actually know what would happen if I died last night. Those are, those are triggering questions to start thinking about reaching out to one of your advisors to start having these discussions. And, and so when we, have, when we have the initial the initial team meeting, I'll call it the team meeting, where we bring all the advisors together and, and we all kind of agree that we're going to work together for the best interests of the client and, and we get all the necessary permissions and all the, the legal stuff, which we won't talk about here. But what we do at that initial meeting is we share information because we have the client's permission to do that, where we start sharing information about what does the client own, what do they owe, who are in, who's in the client's life, because as a group of practitioners, usually we can identify most of those things. And then we can also identify what has the client said to us that they're worried about so that we can start canvassing some of that stuff 
And then we bring the client in and we have a visit with the client. And I really like, you always use the phrase of visit because it's not the kind of meeting where everyone has a serious agenda and we're, we're all very serious about things. It's more just, let's have a conversation. What is worrying you? What is scaring you? What do you, what do you need to be able to sleep better at night? And we start to have those conversations first. And what's great is that in that initial meeting, all of the team is present, either on the phone or in person, so that we can all kind of help to support the client, that the one advisor can say, well, remember, last week you were telling me about this, and this was really worrying you, which will then trigger for the client, yeah, I really want to plan for this. And we can really canvas and brainstorm and that's really what the initial session is. And is there, a, is there additional cost to that? Yeah, you've got four advisors in a room together. But the goal is not to have all four of us or all five of us doing everything all the time all together. The goal is to put all of our combined knowledge into one pot. And then we move to stage two. And stage two is like the divide and conquer stage. And so I think from a from a cost perspective, sometimes there's a bit more of an upfront cost, but we always are open with the client and let the client know ahead of time what that's going to be. But man, do you save a lot on the back end because once you've put it all into one pot, now you can divide and everyone can kind of start working towards the same goal, but chipping a piece of the ice off so that you're not doing it all by yourself. I'm not doing it all by myself. That's right. And, and this is why we have experienced this type of collaboration works well for the client because we go back to when we were working in silos you might get to that silo and find out uh oh the way this was placed it should be over here and if we would have had that team collaboration from the beginning all of the places would be in the right place and everything would have worked out perfectly. So you can save yourself a lot of money on the back end. Absolutely. And I mean, once we do this kind of um, brainstorming session and we have our communication with the client, I mean, usually one of the next steps is that as a group of advisors, we almost do like an open brainstorming session. I think that's probably the best way to kind of describe it. In the one file that we worked on, um, this is probably a little too much detail for today, but the advisors that, that were in the room were, were laying out the structure of what the business looked like right now. And actually, each advisor had already identified what some of the the issues were that needed to be changed and ultimately the client gets to decide how those issues are changed but there's a particular way that it needs to be started and finished so that everyone is compliant and there was questions about well why would we do this this way why would we do this this way and with all of us in the room instead of taking three weeks or two months to answer that type of a question between emails back and forth. Everyone left the room knowing the structure, knowing why things needed to look the way they did. And now we can all define the next step forward and propose those steps to the client. It, it's just beautiful. And you know what? Everyone felt very relieved. Every practitioner felt so relieved because 
it was like, whew, now I know that I'm not going to have a liability because this wasn't set up properly in the first place, but I didn't know that, that they had directed one practitioner this way, and we have a, a will that's, that's old and a structure that needs to be changed, and things just moved along beautifully. And when it was all done, I think the client, like you said earlier, they raved about being able to answer the questions of why they're doing what they're doing going forward. And knowing that part of it is stable. And then what we've done is we have put a marker in the timeline. And if we need flexibility going forward, then we actually know that if anything did happen, like you died yesterday, it falls back on this structure. Absolutely. And I think when we really get down to kind of the nuts and bolts of this initial kind of brainstorming meeting with the advisors, I mean, really what we've done is we all get around a boardroom table. Either we have a big piece of white paper or when, once we finally got our smart board in our office, that ended up being a really useful thing. And we actually start drawing pictures. So we sit there and we go, okay, here's the current structure. And then we start drawing boxes over the current structure and everyone starts throwing out all these ideas. And we may come up with 10 different solutions to the client's problem. And then once we have all of the solutions on the table, we go, okay, but you know what? That solution is not going to work for the client because of X, Y, and Z. We shouldn't even present it because either that's not going to be available to them or that's going to be too expensive for them or it's not going to achieve enough of their goals. And so we take all of those brainstorming options and we usually get them down to about Three to four options, I think, typically is what we yeah, try to three do. three to four options is, is where we usually land. And the other part is when those options are presented to the client, it's a united front. Absolutely. And there's pros and cons to each one of those solutions. But as a united front, when we decide on one particular solution, or not we, pardon me, when the client gets to choose one particular solution, then the agenda matches that solution for each person to go back to their vocation and they put it together so that it matches that plan. And that's what makes it beautiful. Absolutely. So I think you've touched on something that's very important is that once as advisors, we've come up with the top two to three solutions or three to four solutions, we then bring the client in. So the client's not there for all the brainstorming and, and our kind of you know, talking back and forth and figuring out all the issues and working out the kinks, the client comes in once we've got, you know, three to four solid plans that could all work for them, but all have different pros and cons. And then we as a group of advisors present that to them. And usually we do it visually because I think you and I are visual people that if you can give someone a picture, you know, of boxes and circles and, and that they can draw on and you can kind of point at, there's something very tangible about that there's like a tactical thing as opposed to just talking about things that's right and so okay. i think of as a team of advisors we sit down for an hour and it doesn't usually take more than that you bring the client in for an hour and you review the pictures and the the whole process from the first meeting to this where we've come up with solutions that happens in the background so it takes away the daunting process of what the client has to to do because they are knowing that they're getting presented with the four best options and all of a sudden something that they were thinking about, I don't know what to do with this, this task is very large, it's very daunting, I have a lot of you know, things that we want to please among a family or business, all of a sudden things come together for them. 
Well, and I think what's really neat about having all the advisors in the room when you present the options is that I know that clients get really frustrated if they're sitting with me and they ask me a question and I say, actually, you really need to talk to the accountant about that. Mm-hmm. And then they go, oh, because they've taken this time, they've carved it out of their life to come in here and have this conversation with me. And now I'm telling them they have to go and phone the accountant after they leave me. But then the accountant may have a question that I need to answer. And so I find in these team meetings where the client sits there and goes, okay, well, I like that option, but I'm actually not sure about X. But then all the advisors are there. So then I can look down the table and say, actually, you know, do you have an answer to that? Can you help with that? And then the account goes, yes, I have that information and they can provide it and they can use their expertise. Or if there's a question about the insurance, I'm not going to answer that. I look across the table and say, Tracy, would you be able to speak to that? And so then the client gets all their questions answered in one room and then the client's happy because they don't like chasing down advisors and playing phone tag. And that's part of the collaboration process. Does this collaboration process really work? Yes, it does, because it takes the chasing away. Absolutely. Everyone's in the room together. And and sometimes we have to go back to that really big, thick book called The Act that, <laughs> no, that is a fantastic reading, by the way, for, for someone like me and someone like you. Maybe not all people enjoy it. However, we have that there as a resource. And we can say, yes, this can work, or no, we have to shift this over here, and we still get the same end result. So a client also feels part of their process, because it's for the client. Well, and I find that what's also worked for us a bit is that when we first get that contact from the client, and we decide we're going to go down the collaborative process, it's really helpful to start setting out the meeting dates, like for the next three to four months. Because... I know I am not alone in this, that I work good to deadlines. Like we all work to deadlines. Yes. And I think that when dealing with clients, all they want to know is when it's going to happen. And if they know when it's going to happen, they feel comforted that they can walk away and do what they need to do and leave you as advisors working on it because there's a date upon which you are going to tell them what's going on. And so because we're all very busy and one of the, sometimes the hurdles to collaboration is to get everyone in a room together. Well, sometimes we do it by Zoom. Sometimes we do it by conference call. Sometimes you have to be a bit more creative. But I know typically if I'm trying to plan a meeting like a month out, that's way easier than planning one for next week. So if we can have those phone calls very early where we actually start figuring out the schedule for the next three months, we've now set the tone. We know exactly when we're all meeting. We know when we need to have our documentation in place for it. And then we let the client know, which keeps us accountable. But then the client feels comforted in knowing that things are happening, that they're not going to be sitting around for a year and nothing is going to be accomplished. It is possible to bring five advisors together in a room and have these meetings. We do it. It happens. We do it. And actually, those all of us advisors feel like, okay, we have a handle on this file and we've reduced that liability, but we've also given something for the the client to hang on to that's tangible saying I have a plan absolutely like they can walk out of that meeting they've made a choice they understand what the plan is and then we as advisors can now go okay those other options aren't necessary we can now start working through this option and that's when we really start chipping away at the ice because that's when we as advisors sit down and go okay who's going to do what 
and we come up with the to-do list. I'm always about to-do lists. And then one of us volunteers to send an email with the to-do list to everybody. And of course, we've always got another meeting set. So we always have another deadline for when these things need to get done. So that then within a span of, let's say, three weeks, because we've taken 20 tasks and broken them down amongst five people, we can actually get those 20 tasks done in three weeks because it's not one person doing all 20 tasks. And then we make sure that comes together by that deadline and we update the client. And that's how we continue doing this so that everybody knows what the big picture plan is. Everyone knows what the goals of the client are and everyone knows what the pros and cons of the plan are and what the tax consequences of the plan are. And that's so important because I think we need to learn to issue identify so that if one of us as advisors is working on something and we stumble across an issue because we know what the ultimate goal is, we can now go back to the group and say, hey guys, I just discovered this. This is a new wrinkle now in the plan. No worries. We can come together as a team and we can sort that out. So it's all about dividing and conquering, everyone using their expertise and keeping people posted so that one person is not going and doing all of it on their own. And it's too daunting one person all on their own because that person can give direction to the client to go say, do this now, but usually some of those things fall by the wayside. Whereas when we're all accountable and we can bring it together, that that is where we wanna be for the client and the client gets that relief. So if a person is in that stage where they're saying, I need to do some planning, I don't know how to start this planning and I kinda know some of the things I want and if I passed away yesterday, I'm not going to be pleased with the way this is going to unfold then that is the time to reach out and bring a team together. And I think the other important thing to kind of keep in mind is that just because you have a team doesn't mean that all members of the team need to be there and present for the rest of your life. Um, no. You and I parachute in a lot to files. I mean, we'll get calls um, from advisors who just need someone to come in to help facilitate this type of collaborative planning and, and I have the tax expertise and you have the insurance expertise and so we'll often come in and we'll work with the current group of advisors which is fabulous because they have wonderful expertise they have wonderful knowledge we'll come in we'll lend our expertise and then when it's done everybody knows the plan everyone's been sort of trained on on how the plan needs to be maintained they almost don't need us anymore. Like we almost work ourselves out of a job each time we do this. And you know what? That's what we love to do because there are people that are excellent at maintaining the structure. And when that structure needs flexibility, they can call us back in. That might be two, three years down the road. But at the same time, we've left the file intact so that we can also go back and see, oh yes, this structure has changed. It's flexible. Well, and we want to be able to support our client properly. And yes. so to me, if, if I know that I can come in and I can, I can help somebody else's client and sort of create something that can be maintained by somebody else that was already looking after that client and doing an amazing job, well, isn't that great? I can then move on to help somebody else. Like that's, that's how I guess I kind of look at it. And I think that's very important to remember is that we're not doing this to take a client away from someone. We literally parachute in and we parachute out. But when we leave, we don't leave with a bunch of mess behind. We don't leave till everyone's comfortable. Every minute book is updated. The tax filings are organized. Everyone knows what's going on. 
the client has been educated. We've had kind of our follow-up meeting to make sure everyone's on the same page about what issues we need to keep an eye out on on an ongoing basis. And then we leave. But we're always available for consultation afterwards. But frankly, the advisor that's always been working with this client, they're the best person to keep working with the client. And they're relieved and enjoying that client a lot more because when that client comes in, it's like, well, this is we we continue on with the annual plan because we have the far out plan in a place that is safe, and if we need to make adjustments, adjustments, we can move along with those adjustments. And so I think beautiful. everyone knows the issues too. So then everyone knows that if somebody comes in and says, actually, we're purchasing a new parcel of land, or um, I just found out my daughter is in a common law relationship, they're moving in together. Those types of, of things are now going to be a trigger in people's minds for, hmm, we better look at the plan again. Whereas before, there's so much to do that sometimes those little issues don't even register as being something that you need to think about because you're so overwhelmed by just getting the structure in place. That's right. Well, we have just yapped away for quite some time about this, but I knew we could. I feel like maybe we need to do like part two on collaborative practice. I hope that for people listening to this, that we didn't dance too much around the issues, but really tried to give you some concrete information of exactly how we do this, who are in the meetings, the order of the meetings and how we structure them and what the role of the client is in each of the meetings, because this is doable, this works. We have done this on files and it has just been such a feel good experience, I think for all of the advisors, as well as for the clients. And it's certainly my hope, and I think Tracy, you're the same, that, that we see a lot more of this collaborative work on a go forward basis. Yes, and you know what? It's so refreshing to move out of the silo and move into a collaborative team. Everyone feels so much better with this. Absolutely. Well, that is all we have time for today, folks. Hope we gave you some food for thought or at least made you smile. Please see the show notes for any resource material that we reference throughout the episode and to find out more about our amazing guest today. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in reading or learning more, I invite you to subscribe to my weekly blog, The Tax Chick Blog. If you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, then please leave a review on iTunes and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.